Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV, radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to one of the leading voices of radio, one of my favourite faces to host some of the biggest festivals, TV and film premieres, and she can casually hang out with some of the biggest stars from Beyonce to Oprah, Jay-Z, the list goes on. She is inspiring the nation, not only with her talents, but she has used her voice to make a change and a difference in the mainstream on and off the screen. A Glamour Best Radio Personality Award winner, a Woman in Music Music Champion winner, and overall music connoisseur i have the absolute pleasure of speaking to the one the only queen clara ampho wow no pressure (laughs) hey girl hey girl thanks for the lovely intro appreciate it no worries honestly i'm so excited to have you to dive into your journey today so thank you for joining me and most importantly clara welcome to the mainstream thank you for having me ramel (laughs) amazing amazing well okay I want to start off because you you represent so much to so many of us but one thing I've noticed in particular am I right to say that you're a bit of a nostalgia queen I mean I I kind of exist in the middle of the sense of you know what I think in order to appreciate a current moment you've always got to kind of pay homage and Mm -hmm. understand what's come before I'm always about looking forward, but you can't appreciate and you can't push forward without knowing who who laid the foundations. And that's always been my sort of thing. So I guess I'm a nostalgia queen, but I'm also a future queen. (laughs) I love that. Love that. Well, the reason I say that is because in particular, like just going through your Instagram, you're proper repping the 80s and 90s hard with like all the statement tees. You basically got like a t-shirt for every legend from like Prince to Outkast to Mariah Carey, Lauren Hill, of course. So what your what were some of your favorite things about your childhood when it comes to like music and tv um I think for me I think I I I think a lot of people can attest to this I mean like obviously now there's every channel going like when you just get a free view box anyway but I think getting like digital sky tv was was a game changer because it just allowed me this sort of key into all this culture that you 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 know you weren't really getting on the standard five channels like yeah. you know and so I just became obsessed with every kind of like teen sitcom going anything where I saw a face that looked like mine I was just all about it any music TV I was obsessed with but I'd sit I could happily sit in front of any MTV channel and just watch it for like four hours straight not even <laughs> yeah, love that. or maybe get up to go to the loo quick and then just sit sit back down in the same spot. So I think for me, it was just, yeah, absorbing like all of those things and just like knowing that I, I guess I wanted to be a part of it. Definitely, definitely. So when did you decide or when did you even consider really that you wanted to get into TV and radio? Um, It's a weird one. Like I always knew I liked the sort of... um, I always wanted some sort of like creative outlet. Like I loved English at school. I I still love to write and I still like to write, but kind of in my own time when I feel like it, because one thing I've learned is I flipping hate, I hate a deadline. I hate deadlines. (laughs) I can't stand them. Like every time I agree to write something for a magazine or a newspaper, I'm genuinely excited about it, but I I dread the deadline. Like I always think, oh, Joe, I just wish I wrote this. And then I offered it to an outlet rather than being like, yeah, I'll do it. And then, and then they're like, okay, so you got to do this in like a day. And I'm like, because <laughs> it just feels like coursework. I'm like, oh my God. But um, no, I love yep. to write. But um, but yeah, I think I always just, 
it's, I don't think I had like one day and I was like, yeah, I've decided, but I just, it's really weird. Like I just, it was just always in my conscious that, okay, this is something I'm just going to do. I can't, yeah. I can't describe it. I just, I think I just had that sort of, I wouldn't say it was like a divine intervention, so to speak, but I think I just connected with like broadcasting my gut and I was like, no, I need, I need to be around this. Definitely, definitely. I totally agree. And like, we're, we're from the same kind of generation where, yeah, we definitely saw, so we were starting to see more and more black women on TV and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't have a clue on how to become a presenter. And I kind of thought, let me just go down the educational route. So I went to uni, I studied it there. And I just thought, hey, I'll be a newsreader and then I'll figure out all the fun stuff eventually. But like, did you have an educational plan in mind? Like, was you like, okay, maybe I should do some courses or anything like that? Um, my whole thing was, um, it's, it's that weird one, isn't it? Because I think there are obviously so many... Uh, like courses and degrees available that link to media but I think you know when it comes to being a broadcaster yeah of course there are technical things that can be taught but so much of it is just about you as a person and what you can can bring to like a a functional skill set you know um I could like somebody could do a master's in broadcast journalism but still not to be but still not be able to connect with somebody on camera you know or, and someone and someone could be able to connect with somebody on camera or via radio and not have and not have a degree and and some institutions might look down on them for, for that you know I think it's um and for me I, I yeah I made sure that I studied things that, that I was just genuinely interested in because I think I knew that you know studying studying of course I think look it's you know, working in this industry, depending on what you do, everyone's got a different path, right? And it's not like, you know, when you're when you're starting to be a lawyer, like, you know, or a solicitor, you, you know, you do the bar or like when, yeah, you know, when you're trying to be like a, a pediatrician or an oncologist, you've got, you know, there's specific types of sciences that you, you need to study to, to, to literally be able to treat people and to, but, you know, it, it's, it's different with our industry. So I always just made sure I just did stuff that I was genuinely interested in. So, you know, whether it was like film studies modules or, you know, creative writing or, you know, a little bit of practical like radio production stuff. But I I never, but I, I did make sure that I didn't just do something just to please my parents. Okay. You know? Was that pressure on? No, but did you know what? I actually count myself extremely like, you know, being from my background, I can speak from my own personal experience, right? West African, Ghanaian background, um, you know, the onus very much is on, you know, education, 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 especially yeah. when you're sec- when you're second gen and you you don't come, you know, you you don't come from, you know, generational wealth that started in this country, right? Uh, like yeah. literally my dad my dad's like I, I say this to everyone but he literally used to tell us all the time like I came to this country with 25 pounds in my pocket like that was always his <laughs> his thing like he literally came here with, with, with fuck all and yeah. and so you know the owner sort of on me and my siblings like look you better get an education I don't want you like you lot lying around like doing nothing like like I, I came here to like to, to essentially to get shit popping for my you know because my, my dad was like a <laughs> biologist he's extreme, extremely you know extremely hard worker very intelligent like worked for NHS yeah. for like 30 years like you know 
was, was just a brilliant guy. Um, but yeah, he, he came here to, to get work done. So he expected the same of his kids. And yeah, and there was, of course, um, a hope that we would all sort of, you know, get into the sciences and and maths and chemistry and like, you know, like law, like whatever, all the kind of quote unquote good jobs that I think yeah. anybody wants their child to do. But it that is, that is definitely prevalent, like in West African and specifically Ghanaian communities. Of course, he wanted to do that. But there was never this thing of like, if you if you do media, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm kicking you out. Da, 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 da. It was more of a thing of like, OK, if you're going to do it, you better make sure you're the best. That that was there the thing. It was like, okay, all right. Make sure that make sure you do a master's in in broadcasting, which I didn't. But you know, or, or make sure like you do at least like an English degree or so, something like that, and just make sure yeah. that you give like you know, make sure you you do it properly if, if you're if you're really about that life. And and I'm so 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 grateful because I just. Yeah, because I, I, I've got friends of this of you know of the exact same backgrounds or similar backgrounds who who weren't afforded that um who weren't afforded that freedom with their parents and, I, and I'm genuinely so grateful um no, totally how my dad how, how my dad was with me because it could have been a lot different you know no I totally get that totally get that and yeah that's a that's a like you said it is a kind of a theme that's happened a lot to a lot of like young black Brits who are the first kind of, you know, ones to have a choice of what yeah. kind of course or degree they want. So yeah, that that's amazing. I love that. But I will say, yeah, look, I, I, all the breaks that I've got have come from, you know, haven't come from a silver, a place of having a silver spoon. Like again, yeah, you know, I, I I do not come from any kind of general generational wealth. I do not come from any kind of media nepotism background. I've had to make my own way, and I'm extremely proud of that. That's one thing that I will happily gas myself up over, and I want other people from similar backgrounds to do so as well. Because, you know what? It's there is still a there is still an imbalance, um, in our industry, particularly in 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 uh, senior positions like when you when you do your research and you find out who's the son and daughter of whom what school certain people went to like yeah there is there is absolutely an imbalance there of of mm. people who are private educators who've got like you know parents in the industry and 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 you can see how people got their foot in the door and and I can see how that can be completely discouraging and my whole thing is this right people cannot help what they are born into whether you are the son or daughter of like you know old school, like blue blood, seven generations deep aristocracy, or whether you're the son and daughter of like, you know, the local bin man, whatever, you cannot help what you're born into, but you better make sure that if you are born into privilege and you are given those um, hookups, you better make sure that that you've, that you've got the talent to back it because I, because I will resent you and I will look at you sideways. (laughs) Like, and 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 I don't, and I don't, I don't, I have, you know, and I have no problem saying that because that is how I feel because because I know so many talented people from lower income working class or like lower middle class backgrounds who don't who don't have those ins um who who are truly brilliant who just don't get always get the same opportunities and so and so 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 for people that come from backgrounds that are that aren't necessarily that don't necessarily afford opportunities in this industry for people that make it. I'm like, yeah, gas yourself up, man. Like say, yeah, I, I did that because it's hard. It is hard. Definitely. Like, yeah, I got my foot in the door 
just through like luck of of knowing people, but also yeah, signing up to every sort of free scheme that that I could. You know, mm. yeah, like go, going to going to Edinburgh Festival and going to uh, signing up to their like sort of young persons um, initiatives and sort of like you know getting myself in front of people, like going to the radio festival, like like research, just researching, like just doing the work, like yeah, you know, because I think yeah, there's still this thing of like, I mean, look, the industry changes year on year or, or at least every three years there's like different trends that come in and I think now at this point in time I think a lot of people don't realize that you know there are schemes and festivals and things available or maybe they do or they don't or, or they'll just see Instagram okay I've got a big deal Instagram and that means I can get a radio show or yeah. or that means I can get this or that or people will just see all these external factors all these sort of byproducts of of what they think is doing the job and like don't realize like all the bit in between that you're supposed to do it's yeah. um because yeah the, the, the industry is um it's, it's ever evolving you know it really truly is no I totally agree with that and um you actually you actually got your first break quite young so did you feel like you'd made it like was you gassed was you kind of like okay now it's going to be easy to get loads of work I've never thought it was going to be easy never okay. ever 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 um I think you learn to enjoy, I, it's a weird one, because I think every opportunity that I get, um, I always think, you know what, this could be the last, I, but at the same time, I've had to, but, but also I've had to come to a place of comfort that's not complacency, and, and, I, and what I mean by that is that I've learned to truly enjoy what I'm doing in the moment, over worrying about the fact that it could be my last job because at one point I think I was letting the oh this could be the last one thought overtake um the job at hand I wouldn't fully allow myself to enjoy it and then I think that that had an effect on my work like I always get the job done professional like I do what I do and and but I think I've I've just had to come to a place of look you do this job because you you like this you like this work you've got to allow the joy to to come from it and yeah it's good to have that natural level of worry because it's because it's real because it literally could be your last job and it keeps you grounded but you've also got to be in the moment because listen I could you know I could host Glastonbury like you know well, I'm doing it this weekend. I'm, I'm part of the Glastonbury team this weekend, actually. But I could do that Amazing. job. This, I could do that job this weekend, and then I could literally, you know, it's the cliche, but I could get hit by a bus, and and it could be a wrap for me a day later. And I, I, I and that is real. That thing of like this could be your last. So you, so you better enjoy it. I don't. I don't want to be thinking, oh my god, like <gasps> this could be the last job. Oh my god, how am I going to pay my bills? Oh my god, do, do you know what I mean? So I've just, I think I've yeah. Bal- I've just come to a place now of just balance of being like look don't fuck it up and you never know this could be the last job because the industry and life is just unpredictable world but also know why you've arrived here you've arrived here because you've been putting the work in and this is an opportunity that has come from your work your hard work so yeah you are doing glassery because you earned it so be here and enjoy it and get on with it you know definitely oh my gosh like your work ethic is proven because you know you keep securing the bag getting the the goal kind of you know you're doing all the kind of jobs that it seems you've 
set your heart out to want and do. And um, I noticed that you did that very early on as well, because when you first started at KISS, it was based on an internship, then you was working in the office, and you were able to talk to the boss and kind of say, look, I want to be on air. What did you say? What was the move like for you going from the office to on air? Because it takes a lot of guts for a young person to say, listen, this is what I want. So where was your head at with that as well? I think it was just that thing, like, I, it was never about entitlement, but it was just that thing of like, I know what young people want to hear because I'm your target audience. So it's just like, dude, let me live, like, kind of thing. And like, you know, I think think that was my thing. It wasn't about entitlement. It's just like, I was just thinking like, I, I am the person that you that you want to talk to. So like let me let me be that. Let me express that on air. And like, you know, I'd listen to other presenters and be like, yeah, great. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm I'm with you on this journey. Like, like let, let me join in, please. And I think, but I but you know, but it was a mutual thing of like, you know, my old boss Andy would be like, Oh, what do you think of this song? Do you like this? Would you put this in the playlist? Like, you know, essentially, I was being—I was essentially like a free consultant in that, as, as well as my stationery. It was just like, so, Clara, what do you think about this? Job? I'd be like, Matt, Matt, you know what I mean? So I just thought, well, okay, if if you're asking me these things and if you're using me for voiceovers, like to like surely if you're asking my opinion on music and you're using me for voiceovers to go on the radio yeah. how about I marry those two and present things like you know and, and yeah I was a bit cheeky but it, it was always respectful it was never like oh my god you better give me a show or I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna complain to HR that you're holding me back or whatever but also like it was a really it was a proper family environment that kiss you know um you know, like we'd have our away days, which I'd help to organise with like Sandra, who was one of my old boss's PAs. And like, you know, like I'd be going to John Lewis to like buy the rounders kit for us all to play like rounders and that high part. But then, you know, looking after um, the head of music's diary, my, my, my a good friend of mine, Christian's diary. Um, but like I, I was spread across all departments. So I so I built genuine and sincere relationships with, with everyone. So everyone sort of like had my back in the office. And they knew that I wasn't trying yeah. to be some petulant brat like I love sound my own voice so give me a show it's just like no man like I'm passionate about this radio station like I I, I wanna I, I really wanna I wanna give it my all yeah yeah I think my whole thing was like look it was a very it very much was like a family environment and and I built these really you know genuine relationships with, with sort of every department whether it was like the sales team the marketing team the programming team um like like you know the station imaging team and so everyone was sort of like everyone had my back and so it wasn't this petulant thing of like I want to be on radio like you better it was just like yeah come on, <laughs> like we, we, we back it kind of thing because they knew I was passionate about working at the station because like you know every, everyone everyone knows Kiss it's like it's an international brand it's a global brand now but yeah you know, um like my older brothers used to listen to Kiss and like all so some of my favorite broadcasters like and DJs come from Kiss like D, like EZ like EZ is garage like he's yeah. literally synonymous with the genre you cannot call yourself a garage fan if you don't rate EZ I'm sorry but that's just facts and like you it know is. Kiss on a Friday night like he made it like that's that the iconic programming like Trevor Nelson who's like you know a really good who's like, I can count as a really good friend now and also my mentor again like started old school kiss and now trevor's doing up you know like did radio one one extra and is like is like you know uh uh one of the stalwarts at radio two which for any broadcaster that is that is an incredible journey the fact that he was you know 
And he's never changed his identity. He's never yeah. fixed when it comes to what he loves to broadcast. And the fact that he can take that to radio too and still authentically be himself is really, it's it's really impressive. And, you know, and he started at KISS. So I, I knew the sort of history that I that I wanted to sort of be a part of. So, yeah. yeah. So, 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 that, so to answer your question in a long-winded way, that <laughs> gave me the sort of chip spur to to say to my boss Andy like like come on man like let, let me live let me let me present a show I love that well it clearly worked because you absolutely killed it you went from overnight shifts to Saturday shifts and then drive time where you was nominated for a rising star award at the Sony Radio Awards like that is epic but I say but and it's in the most positive way even though you was having such an amazing time at Kiss you had your eyes on BBC Radio 1 Extra I damn sure did. <laughs> what made you want to make the change? And how easy was it to do this? Because, geez, I can't even imagine having those feelings. And then, like, who do you tell? Who do you, who do you talk to to make this happen? Well, this is the thing. You know what? I'd always, always loved. I've always been a fan of One Extra, still am. Like, One Extra is one of the most vital, you know, radio stations that, that there is. Like, I just I just love it. And I've got so much time for um, for everyone that works there. And I, I think I'd all, I always knew. There came a point with Kiss that I, I, I knew that I, that I wanted to leave because I think... I'd learned so much there, but the type of the, the style of broadcast that I am, I think, was just so much better suited to to one extra. Like you know, there, there's no there's no advertising, like longer links. Um, I, for me personally, like you know, I preferred the, the 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 fluidity of the playlist and just and just what they could do like creatively. And so I was just a bit like, no, nah, I need to, I need to. I've I got to get in there. And funny yeah. enough, um, one of the producers who was at Kiss at the time, a really good friend of mine called Chris, he started at One Extra and then went to Kiss. And I confided in him. I was like, I was like, Blackers. That was because his surname is Blackley. I was like, Blackers. Um, ironically, <laughs> like a tall, skinny, lanky white man. But I was like, everyone called him Blackers. But I was like, Blackers, I need to, I've I got to get to One Extra. Like, how do I do it? You weren't there. Give me the intel. What have I got to do? Wow. And he was like, well, look, first things first, you've got to make a one extra star demo because even though they can hear what you do here, they need to understand like what you can do over there. And I was like, okay, yeah. all right, all right. Um, so he was like, so listen to station lows, pick out some of your favourite links and just see if you can do something similar. I was like, all right, cool. So um, a few nights a week, like for about, actually, how long do we... Actually, I can't, I can't even remember. But basically, we he, he helped me make a One Extra Style demo. And I was like, okay, cool. Got that made. Now, who do I give it to? Now, just through sheer sort of like luck and just from going to sort of industry events, because, you know, like there's always like a launch for this EP or um, yeah. a launch for this artist, whatever. Um, I had gone to this event um, and I think it was called like Runway Style. It was like, it was, like a, it was a grime event. Um, and like loads of, not sure if it was called Runway, don't quite know, I don't think it's called Runway Style, but I, I remember I just gone to like this grime event, like loads, like loads of everyone's like favourite MCs are 
favorite MCs are there. Like, it's like a lot of the DDK lot. Um, but anyway, that's not, that's not the point. Anyway, so I went there and like, loads, <laughs> loads of people, loads of different radio people were there, like people from One Extra, people from what was known as Choice at the time, but I get Capital Extra now. And um, I got talking to a lovely woman who doesn't work there anymore, but worked at One Extra at the time called Nell. Nell's become like, one of my best friends. And wow. um, we got introduced by... Um, a mutual friend and she was like oh yeah I work at one extra and I was like oh my god I'd love to work there she's like well look um I said like, who can I give my demo to and then she told me the name of somebody that I could uh, give my demo to this dude called Rob and I was just like okay cool um she was like I'll make sure I think she either made sure that he got it or I or I posted it to him or I emailed it to him. I can't I can't even remember now but because I, I remember I had I definitely had physical copies available or no no I had it on the USB or something like that wow and and uh, and basically, it got to Rob, and he heard it, and he, he emailed me. He was like, "Look, I heard your demo. Um, yeah, I think you got something like, um, why don't you come in and like and do and do and do a session like at one extra?" And I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm being so excited!" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, wicked. Okay, this this could be something." So then, from that, I went on to demo on and off for about 18 months about I want to say about eight times I went into one extra now this is the thing Radio One and Kiss at the time were literally I mean they're still close to each other but at this time they were literally around the corner from each other so Kiss used to be on um Mapping Street right which is just off of Oxford Street and one extra used to be off Great Portland Street so you could walk there in like like six minutes so I would finish my my work for the day and then I would like go to an extra at like maybe like five or six p.m like when it was maybe a bit quieter in the evening and I wouldn't think anybody would see me and I'd see <laughs> they'd, they'd literally have the blinds down I'd go through up the side door and it was like proper like secret sneaky sneaky although like I'll never forget I think one of my second to last demos around like probably like the year that I got offered the jobs it's like 2013 times I remember yeah. And we talk, we laugh at this all the time. I bowled in. I was thinking, okay, well, not bowled in. Like I went in, like you know, very surreptitiously. Okay, no one's seen me to a demo, and the first person I see is Nick Bright, and I think it's like the first time we met. And obviously, Nick's a good mate of mine now. And he was like, "All right," and I was like, "Fuck, fuck!" <laughs> and like, and he looked at me, and I was just like, "Oh." For God's sake. Um, and Nothing to see here. Yeah, li- literally. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And it's one of those things where like, and it, and, like, he just gave me, he's like, you're right. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, good thanks. Like, snuck into the studio. And I can't remember the producer was at the time. But I was like, oh, bloody hell, like, Nick Bright seen me. Like, streets going to be talking. Like, I mean, look, it's one of those things I think people always hear whispers about people demoing anyway. But yeah. when you actually see someone, it's just like, aha, gotcha. And I was like, bollock. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so I think that's like my second last demo. So basically, yeah, over eighteen months, I made about eight about eight times, and by and at this point, I was doing dry, uh, yeah, I was doing drives um, at, at Kiss with Michael Lewis, and then I so then I finally got offered um, weekend breakfast, right? Yeah, and, and and that was and I remember like my boss at the time at Kiss, Andy. He he really tried to like convince me to stay, and like and I'm look he won't mind me saying this like you know he really tried to like do the Jedi mind trick on me. He was just like he was like Clara, but you know do you really want to give up doing five um five days a week like no well, even six days? So I was doing I was doing drive Monday to Friday and doing my own like my own Saturday morning show. Do you really want to give up doing um radio six days a week just to do weekend breakfast on on DAB only? 
like oh my gosh this is 2013 times remember so he was like you know and he was like you know it's like it's just the ab i mean little did, i mean little did he i mean i think he knew but was obviously trying to again to try and do the trying to do the jedi mind trick and it's like look, you're giving up like six days a week just to do two days what are you gonna do the rest of the week and i was just like no but i just i knew in my gut you know your gut never lies you know like of course we haven't yeah. helped out and it's good to do devil's advocate on yourself but when you know when you just know when something feels so right i knew the minute i called that meeting with him to let him know i had an offer i knew i was leaving i knew it absolutely knew it yeah um and and so and so I left I I started um at, at one extra in 2013 and I never looked back and it and and it, it and it truly was the best thing it's the best career decision I've ever made was to leave Kiss and I say that with absolute respect it's like Kiss made me it, it you know I I got, yeah. I got my I got my formal sort of air miles and training and if it wasn't for Kiss I wouldn't be who I wouldn't be where I'm at but but making the decision to leave was the best career move I've ever made absolutely to this day I totally understand and agree with that because you know and it's just been amazing to see what that move actually did and meant because I think the nation the one extra nation fell in love with you but it was quite evident there was so much more that was to come for you because after just 15 months you was moved over to radio one for the official chart show and then again moved to the mid-morning show and you replaced fern cotton like for me that blew my mind i mean as a young black woman and i'm you know aspiring back then i was an aspiring presenter not on air yet and it just kind of showed to me you have really crossed over to the mainstream because of course kiss was commercial and you know it had its roots in underground but this is the bbc like you know radio one oh my gosh so for you did it feel like a power move like that for you as well it was do you know it, it did, um, and it's one of those things where, at the time, it was it all happened so sort of quickly. Um, I I, I kind of did and didn't have time to to fully compute what was going on, and only now okay. when when you speak like that, when I look back, I'm like bloody hell. But you know, I uh, you but when you're in that situation, you just kind of get on with it. Yeah. And and I think and I think I found that with a lot of things in my career, when I you know, retrospect is twenty twenty or hindsight twenty twenty as they say, and it's and there's only moments I catch myself and I'd be like, Rah, Clara, okay, you did that, wow. But, <laughs> yeah. but I but I try not to dwell on things too much. Like again, it's I I have I I I think it's I very much believe in taking moments for gratitude, and, mm. and especially in lockdown, I was having this conversation with my best mates actually, Rada. Um, I was just saying, you know what? I've never felt, I've never felt more thankful in in my entire life than I do right now. And I think lockdown has definitely been a part part of that. Like it is such a privilege to be able to still work in the middle of a flipping pandemic, yeah, and to do a job that you truly enjoy and that can connect with people. It's I'm so incredibly blessed, and I say that with, with, with no, you know like after school club message cheesiness like I mean that like with my chest like I'm so incredibly blessed to be able to 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 still work and I think if anything like you know lockdown has taught me and has given me sort of more um fire in my belly just to go just to go for stuff even more and to enjoy stuff and to really revel when things are going well because again like listen 
this industry is wild. You never. I've been. I've been extremely lucky, and like, and, I, and I'd be lying if I said I don't have that thing of like, right, when, when, when is this all? Is this going to end? Oh shit! Is someone going to be like, psych, gotcha? Or like, you, you just don't know. And I think. I think that never leaves you. Um, yeah. Like, like you know, the most established broadcasts I know still have got that. Like, oh my gosh, like, okay kind of thing going on even though you like I said you can be in that place of of comfort that's not complacency but you you'll always still have that like raw kind of feeling but um definitely. yeah but lockdown has definitely just given me another level of um of gratitude and, and I'm just going for I'm just going for everything this year in 2021 like I'm just like I'm just I'm giving it my all because I've been amazing I've been given the chance to and I'm, and I'm not and I don't take that lightly and, I, and I'm genuinely thankful for for lockdown for, for just reminding me of that gratitude is a must yeah coffee done told us she done told us <laughs> well i mean you've absolutely killed it and and not just on radio on the screen as well and i noted that you've mentioned before like it was a childhood goal to work for the brits and the mobos and top of the pops and like it's just been amazing to see the journey and and you know again the nation has fallen in love with you but one thing in particular is that when you do interviews the rapport you have with your guests is just incredible I mean you get up close and personal you're very you know they always say the girl next door kind of vibe how do you prepare for your interviews and to you what makes a good interview I think for me, I mean, thank you for the very lovely things that you said. Like, I think for me, I just, one thing I quickly learned doing this job is that everyone is just doing their job, right? Yeah. Everyone is just doing their job. And it's just this thing of like, I just think you have to always think about stuff on a universal level, right? Beyonce is, for all of her talent and for all of her, you know, her incredible contributions to the culture and who she is, whatever, is still just Matthew and Tina's daughter. Yeah, <laughs> Fair she, still, enough. she still has to go to the toilet. She still has her period. She still, you know, has snot coming out of her nose when when she's ill or whatever. Harry, surely Scott, not. She she damn sure does. It might be expensive, but still has. Like Harry <laughs> Harry Styles is is still a dude from up north. Still auditioned to like before he walked through those doors. The X Factor. He was just any, he was just any dude. I think I believe he's from Chester. Don't quote me on that. Sorry, um, stylist, if don't come for me if I get that wrong. <laughs> uh, big up Harry, he's a lovely dude. But like, yeah, you know, he's still <laughs> he's still someone's kid, and 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 you know, these man-made um, avenues create stars. Of course, star quality and talent is, I believe, is a, is a divine gift. I think it's a, it's yeah. a blessing to have. But the the ways in which people reach these levels, you know. Uh, are through man-made constructs like the, the music industry. Music is the magic. Mm. The industry is the business, right? You, you know, yeah. um, a te- like a t- like TV programming, like they 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 put attention on people. So, you know, when like in those moments when Beyonce is asleep, she just she just a woman from Texas asleep. And in those moments when when Harry Styles is on the loo, he's not the guy from One Direction. <laughs> he's just a guy like ha- having a. We, like do you know you know what I'm trying to say and I think no but I've just, I just I, I need to stop using like uh like, <laughs> toilet analogies yeah exactly <laughs> people's urination and defecation to, to 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 give them humanity but but like but that's what I'm trying to say is it you just realize that everyone is human everyone's just trying to do their job and I think and I think knowing that 
just gives just just gives me a level of calm. Don't get me wrong, I'm so excited to meet people. Like, you yeah. know, when I interviewed Jay Z, I was like, "Raw, you're actually Jay Z." I just I remember just think like, it, it, and I was just looking. So it's like your face is a face that like. 90% of the planet knows or yeah. any, or anyone who's like you know got any sort of grasp of like basic pop culture you're a very well-known face and you're and when we finish this interview today you're going to go about your business and you're going to go back to your home where your wife Beyonce is going to be waiting for <laughs> you with your ch- with your child well at the time because yeah I think the, the twins hadn't come yet or maybe they'd just been born yeah but yeah and it, and 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 that is wild but I think you just realize that everyone's just people too and and I'm and I never do interviews trying to catch people out. It's just like if yeah. you want to, if people want to get personal, like I, I will go there with you. But if they, I, but I will never, I, I I don't believe in doing stuff for like cheap clicks. Of course, yeah. And you know, and I'm sure like uh, like press teams like from from, from from like from from whoever I'm you know representing would love you to ask a salacious question because it because it, it gets like attention but I just I don't play that like I, I will ask things that I think are genuinely interesting I'm not stupid yeah I know that some things are going to get more attention than others but if an artist yeah. doesn't want to go there I'm just I'm not going to push it like because what's the point it's only going to make them hostile and make them um, make them feel uncomfortable and I don't want that like I just want people to relax free the realness I 100% yeah. agree with you because I'm not out here for clickbait at all and I'm glad to hear someone like you saying that as well because you know just have a nice conversation well, that's why it. not just to just be just just keep it honest keep honestly, it honest honestly well you recently actually posted a throwback of you meeting Oprah where she said she can see your light oh it was glorious oh, my sweet auntie <laughs> I was so proud. I was there at the moment when she um, publicly said at the Wrinkle in Time uh, premiere, she pointed you out and she was like, you, child, who are you? I see a light. I was like, oh my goodness, this is a moment. So it was wonderful to see that happen. And I know you had an after conversation with Oprah as well, which is insane. How was it, Clara? Um, it It was everything that I genuinely hoped it would be and more because the thing about Oprah is that look she isn't stupid she knows who she is and I and I and I think she's very aware of the sort of like anointing that 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 she gives people by even just acknowledge just even by acknowledging them like she's aware of of the power of her touch and of her words and and she's you can tell she's very and she's very responsible with that and is very generous yeah. with that and I remember when we got talking it was at the art party for Wrinkle in Time and there were loads of people in there like Reese Witherspoon was in there with her daughter uh, Matt, Mindy Kaling like the, you know Storm Reed, the whole the whole um cast like there are other yeah. like sort of like well-known people in there and Oprah you know like yeah a lot of people have talked to her like you know she's got security and she literally had like I think like two or three security guards with her who would like create this human wall so she could have genuine one-on-ones people because I think it's that thing of like she can't just bop into a room like free because everyone will flock to her but no and then and no one's actually gonna and 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 I think she has got interest in talking to people like one on one, but no one will get that that 
cherished like you know time if she didn't have her boundaries and and, and I completely respect that so she because I remember like before I got my ghost she was talking to Will I Am in the corner and like oh, and, wow. yeah and, like yes the flanked by security to tell Will I Am they speak to the next person and then I was like hi and I saw I was like hi it's me um you, you pointed at me earlier um <laughs> in 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 the uh in the cinema she's like hey and I was like hi Oprah I said look Look, you know what it is. I know you've heard this a million times. Said, Look, I'm a broadcaster in the UK. I do a show on Radio 1, I present TV. And I just want to let you know that I, I'm not here without you. Um, you know, your story there and mine, there are many parallels there. And I just want you to know that you made me feel seen. And, I'm, and I just, yeah, I think I said something along the lines of that. And she, and she put her hands on my shoulder. She's like, just remember. Like, she just said, no, she like, she really... Um, she really, uh, there's just resonance in each word that she says. She's like, just remember. She's like, you stand on the shoulders of everyone that has come before you. She said it and I was just like, right. Oh like, it, just, it was just like that. <laughs> she just really speech to me, Oprah style. Because I think she, cause she did the same thing to, um, to Dottie. Because Do- Dottie hosted the Wrinkle in oh Time um, premiere. Yeah. And I think they had, they, they had some, um, some, some, some words exchanged um, and she was just like, you stand on the shoulders of everyone who's come before you. Remember this. And she said something like that. And I was just like, no, nope, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I was just like, thank you. And like, and like, yeah, we just had this, that lovely exchange. And then, you know, she, she chatted to the next person. Like, so I think someone like Gillian Joseph was there who like, who does, who's a newsreader. Like there were so many yeah. sort of like black women you know, in, in broadcast who are in the room who are just like, you know, this is the, this is the Oracle because that's the yeah. thing Like Oprah her her impact is it's so important because for all intents and purposes she shouldn't be who she is and 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 where and where she is like born dirt poor dark skinned black woman you know was a teenage mum survived like wild sexual abuse like you know sexism racism like all that is like everything you could imagine and and here she is a self made billionaire, media mogul, incredible broadcaster, author, actress, does it all <laughs> and, yep. wasn't, and wasn't supposed to. And her visibility made it possible for all of us to get chances. Wow. Like she's the, she's the template. And, and so to meet her and to feel, yeah, it was, it was a, that was a really, um, it was a really special moment. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh. It's such a moment. Not just for you, just witnessing it was like, oh my gosh. Cause I knew I had no place to be at this wrinkle in time premiere. That was for children. But I, I was like, I, I kind no, of, I, 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 I get what you mean, but I, I knew this, this show is targeted at a younger audience. And I was like, but I'm not here for that. I'm here for Oprah. So. I mean, everyone was there for Oprah, but I think, you know, yeah. what, I really, what I really, what I really liked though, um, is that, because um, uh, I remember, because the, the, the audience, I think was like maybe eight, I think this was obviously on, on Oprah's um, uh, say so, because I think they, they, they hooked up with like a tech company, like to, to get young girls yes. into STEM and coding and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I remember like, it was like 80% like teenage girls, maybe like 20% sort of like adults because remember like Afua Hirsch was in the mix and that amazing yeah. I, I've gone blank on her name but that amazing black um she, she uh, 
she wish she's an astrologer but uh, but yeah well, i guess an astrologer yeah but like she comes like space sciences and stuff like she was in the mix okay. like she did, but there were so many like like cool women in there but yeah but i love the fact that it was it was specifically aimed, aimed at teenage girls because again oops yeah. stupid, you know it's a power but anyway carry on Definitely. No, I, I totally agree. And it was just nice to have that moment filled with so many young girls who could just be inspired and encouraged. So it was a moment. It was a moment for everyone. Um, But one thing I've noticed about you in particular is that you are not afraid to speak out. I mean, you recently delivered such a powerful speech on your Radio One show talking about the death of George Floyd and Obviously, this inspired so many more people to speak up and kind of acknowledge the mistreatment of black people in society. So, you know, this isn't the first time you've done this, which I love. And um, you've been admired for a long time for being unapologetically black, standing up for what you believe in. Now it seems like we're in a great time where it's becoming the new normal to call out the wrongs. But you've been doing it from day. So (laughs) have you ever had kind of conflicting feelings with yourself where you're like, you know, should I worry about a backlash? Do I worry if this is going to affect my work? Like, have you ever had had to kind of have that inner conversation and dialogue with yourself about what what's the right thing to do about speaking out? I think with me, I've just learned to choose my battles wisely. Like, look, if I was to speak out against racial injustice every single day, like 24-7, I'd probably go mad. And yeah. and I and I have got a deep respect and admiration for the people that do people who are, you know, full time activists. Like, I don't see myself as an activist. I just see myself as very as an actively black person. I'm just trying to live, mate. Yeah. Like, like like we all are. Um, yeah. But I just yeah I I just I I speak I speak when I speak and I speak when I feel like it. And I think after I did what I did, uh, you know, saying what I did on the show that's who that's who I am like you know in quote unquote real life and like you said I've been I've been talking about stuff this is it 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 wasn't a new conversation to me but at that point I I I had to speak because yeah I literally couldn't face coming into work that that Monday because it just it was just because it wasn't just George Floyd it's Breonna Taylor it's the Elijah McClain of the world you know, it's it's the Tony McDades, it's the it's the it's the Nina Pops, like the the, the the list the list goes on, the Sandra Blands, like Philando Castile, Tamir Rice, yeah. Trayvon Martin, you know, it's Sarah Reed right here in the UK. Like it's it it, it it's it's that summation. Like we we carry we carry this trauma with us as black people. When you see, you know, it's yeah, like obviously, look, your skin folk ain't always your kin folk, and like I'm not saying that all black black people are monolith, and we all agree and disagree with the same things. But for, I can only speak for myself. When these people, like Ahmad Aubrey, like the list goes on. Yeah. When you see the hurt, you hurt, and definitely. And for me, like I've just I choose my battles, I choose my words very carefully. Because I'm extremely aware, especially doing the radio show that I do, that ninety percent of my audience don't look like me. But I, yeah. but that doesn't mean I, but 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 it doesn't mean I don't care about the ten percent that that do. Like I care, I care about them a whole lot, you know. Yeah. And I think so. I just I I make sure that I I speak in a way that just represents my truth, which is that. Just because I'm rooting for everybody black doesn't mean that I hate everyone who's white, <laughs> you, exactly. you know. But exactly, but there, but there is still a long way to go 
uh, I think when it comes to conversations, I think there's there's definitely been there's def there is a shift. I think we are definitely experiencing a shift in people's yeah. understanding of racism because I because I, I think I mean there still is. Because I mean I don't argue with racists on, on social media anymore. Like I stopped doing that it's a long time. No, no, I stopped doing yeah. that a long time ago. I just like you haven't got the range. Like I, li- I, li- you, you, I know, but you, there, there are some racist people who will hop into my mentions or on my page, and and they genuinely do not have the the intelligence or the or the range or like the under the critical thinking to to mm. have a conversation with me to 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 debate what I what I what I personally believe in that I can't even pay attention. I'm done. either block them. Or I just, I just, I just don't pay attention because I'm just like, there's, there's literally no point because you've yeah. come to my page with an energy where you're letting me know <clears throat> that you're committed to misunderstanding me. So what's, why, why, why will I give any of my time to that? Like, can't bothered, literally can't bothered. But, but, but yeah. there is still this very binary idea that people think that racism is literally someone calling me the N word in the street or someone calling an Asian person like the P word. And it's, or, you know, or someone calling a Jewish person like the K word and it's insidious racism, how it affects absolutely everything in our society, you know? And I think a lot of people, I think people are starting to understand that concept, but there's a lot of people who, who literally, you know, but I haven't got a racist bone in my body. My best friend for that. (laughs) Oh no, but I love, I love Leroy from The Office or no, but I'm a massive Beyonce fan, but no, but my mum brought me up on Motown. I just don't want my daughter going out of the black man. Like, nah, sorry, hun. You don't get it like that. Sorry. So I think for me, it's just been choosing my battles wisely and and speak when I feel like it. And I will also say that, look, I'm not the only black voice out there. Yeah, I've got a voice, but what I'm not going to, what I'm not here for is is performing trauma porn for people and also yeah. attaching myself to every single black cause going because I think there has been this assumption that because of what I said, it's like, Clara, can you post this on your Instagram for me? Oh, Clara, gosh. can you create this for me? Clara's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Respect my boundary. Yeah. I'll support, I, again, I'll support what I want. Of course, rooting for everybody black, of course. But I will also root for what, what I what I genuinely what I personally have got an affinity to and what I and what I want to support like you know definitely and and I think because I think there's this this assumption that that we all have to support everything for everyone regardless and again your skin folk ain't necessarily kin folk like I'm not going to get on with every single black person I meet I'm always going to root for them of course yeah listen I root for I, I root for, I root for black every black even people that I don't like like yeah. <laughs> no but no but that, no but seriously like absolutely um yeah but i but but yeah i'm, I'm just always going to support things that i feel a personal connection to and that i believe in mm. you feel do you feel me One, yeah man yeah. wonderfully said because and and like i said on twitter thank you because not just because thank you for speaking up but also thank you for letting other broadcasters know don't be afraid we can do this don't worry about your job and all that kind of stuff like you have to do what's right before you know, obviously we're all trying to secure the bag out here and, you know, you don't want to do anything that will jeopardize your job and just say wild statements. But at the same time, you delivered it so eloquently and with class and with, with, you know, integrity. And that's why everyone was like, yeah, you know what? 
we need to take a moment to to speak to our colleagues or or you know share this message share anything encourage us to kind of have that solidarity so again i i personally want to thank you for that and you know it's inspiring so many other broadcasters that they can speak for what they believe in so amazing you're amazing oh <laughs> girl no listen i just look i did all i did was speak my truth and that's all i encourage yeah. anybody to do and yeah look i'm my father's daughter in it i felt my dad's spirit that day i say this all the time but i i only speak how i do and i don't mean like in the literal sense of how i sound but how i do like from my gut because that's just what my yeah. dad did he just he was, he was just that kind of guy you know Yes. Oh, thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. Big, big up, Manny. <laughs> and Mummy. And Mummy as well. Uh, Auntie, we love her. <laughs> the true, the true, the true star of the family. <laughs> always, always. All right. So you've had such an incredible career so far, and, and it really feels like you're just getting started. So what have you learned about yourself and how to kind of navigate your role in the industry? Um, I've learned that I am stronger than I gave myself credit for. I've learned to, yeah, truly believe in my personal power and to understand that I deserve to be in the rooms that I'm in. Because I think, mm. yeah, because I think when I started, I well, no, when I started, of course, like, it, I remember when it was announced that um, I was taking over from Fern, so I don't want to use the word replace, I didn't replace her, I just took over from her, like, she she, just, she decided, yeah. Fern was there, listen, people can, people will, quote unquote leave establishments and people will actually go of their own accord. Fern left of her own accord. Let let me be explicitly yeah. clear. She had done incredible stuff at Radio One, but wanted to, you know, do other projects and, and like wanted to, you know, enjoy the rest of her pregnancy and like and do and like and Fern Fern's a really good friend. Like I've got a lot of time and respect for Fern. She's amazing. And she left of her own accord. Um so let me just make that explicitly clear. And I and so I never replaced her. Like I just I just took over like that slot. Um but um, you know, before I'd even touched Mike, of course there was like, a, a, like um, a, a mini, a mini backlash. Not like a national one, but I definitely saw comments like, "Oh, she's only getting this because she ticks X, Y, and Z box." Oh, here we go, typical like PC, BBC, rare, rare, rare. And 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 even though I knew that wasn't true, I'd be lying if I said they didn't get to me a little bit. Yeah, you know, because I absolutely, I earn the right to, I earn the right to do that job because I love live music, I love music broadcasting, and I love radio. So, so I, I, I you know, like they asked me to do it, and of course I said yes. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely let that sort of that like, oh, am I just here cause get to me a, li- a little bit, and I think that effect, and so I and I carried that sort of mentality with me. For about a year, even if I could feel super confident, I'd always be a bit like, <sighs> kind of thing. And I carried that sort yeah. of anxiety of like, well, you can't fuck this up because you know that like Dave, who added you, is watching, being like, mm, see, there we go. She's only just here because da 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 da. And so I think for me, I've definitely learned to understand my place in the room and know that I earn my place in the room or the proverbial seat at the table, as they say. Yes, you did, girl. And (laughs) you are securing, holding down that seat incredibly. Thank you very much. (laughs) Definitely deserve it. Well, I mean, it's been amazing hearing about your journey, but also here in the mainstream, we want to be able to inspire and, you know, give some gems for the listeners to kind of take on board for themselves. So I have to ask you, Clara, what are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream? 
Okay, my top five tips are, and forgive me if I might even give you three by accident because I might <laughs> have three. Sometimes it's not every day. It's not every day top ten or every day top five. Me personally, I'm a fan of top threes. Um, That's fine. <laughs> okay, today it's top three. Um, cool. <laughs> be your most authentic self. It's so it's incredibly trite and cliche, but it's true. Because the yeah. minute you try, of course, people people grow. And people transform, but your true essence will always stay, right? Just yeah. be your most authentic self because the minute you try and pretend to be anybody else, people just people clock it. And it's just it's just and it's not what it's just not worth it's not worth like the the upkeep trying to trying to fit into people's, you know, um ideals. Ideals. And... Well yeah, because I'm yeah. I, like I've because if I was to succumb to every sort of like societal pressure of how I should present myself, you know, you'd see me with you'd see me uh, wearing quite different clothes to the clothes I usually wear, different hairstyle to the to the to the hairstyle that I have, you know, you'd see me posting different to how I usually post because I would just be trying to please, mm-hmm. you know like mainstream society or like or even people in my own peer group and I'm just I can't be bothered who's got time so no I don't (laughs) it's simple as that so be your most authentic self um don't be afraid of some bloody hard work and it's not it's not everyday performance because again I think I think social media is is an incredible tool and it's very useful and of course it can be monetized we know this um you know I get paid to use my social media I do, I do sponsor content jobs, but I, of course, but going back to authenticity, I just make sure they're around things that I genuinely care about and that, 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 that makes sense for, for my, for my life and my quote unquote brand. Right. Um, mm. but I think people feel this need to perform every single aspect, every single minute of their lives. And it's, and I just, I just think it can be a bit unhealthy. Yeah. And it's, and I mean, again, it depends what you want out of the industry, though. Because if you're trying to be like a lifestyle blogger, then okay, look, have at it. But I still think you need to just save a little bit for yourself. Don't so yeah, don't perform every the, the minutia of your life. Like save some of yourself. Like my God, and I'm not saying you can't be yourself. You got to maintain some sort of boundary mm. with yourself and your followers, audience, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, one authenticity. To um, don't don't perform every bloody moment of your life, and three, work for the work, not the byproduct. And when I talk about the byproduct, I'm talking about instant gratification, the hype, the chat, the the likes, whatever, because that that stuff that's just people's projection onto you, anyway. You know, work for mm. the actual work. Because you could get a hundred, you could you could get a hundred thousand likes in a picture. You get a hundred likes in a picture. At the end of the day, you still got to go to bed with who you are. <laughs> For real, those likes aren't going to keep you warm at night. They're 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 really not. They're really not. <laughs> See people saying you're this, you're saying you're that, whatever. You know, don't let the good ones like it's that thing of like, you know, don't don't live by people's compliments. Don't don't but don't don't buy don't die by by you know that by the shade or like the by people discouraging like I think it's just about having that common sense of course 
look, social media and all of that, it's a microcosm, right? It's like a, it's a, it's, it's a small cross-section of society. The whole world isn't social media. You'd, it, it would trick, again, it goes back to the thing of like man-made functions, right? Instagram mm. is an app that a man called Kevin developed for us to, for, for us to share pictures. And then it created a whole other culture, but he, yeah. he developed that app also to play on our insecurities because give me a like, it's but it's all it's all apps with any like MySpace, um, the comment section, top friends, the top comment section, <laughs> top friends, whatever. All of these things were were designed to play on our insecurities and to play for play on the human condition, which is the need to be validated and the need to be loved, right? Yeah, and you need to remember that. So it's just like, and you see, and like, I see it all the time. There's so many people who literally think being famous or being Instagram popular is going to, is going to mend their broken heart and give them this validation they've always been looking for. And like, they, they, mm. they literally need it. It's like a drug. And it's just like, baby, like it's, and I, and I see like, you know, that like, you know, like we'll have like, like teams come into to radio station or like, you know, you'll meet young people like, Oh my God. See, oh my God, you got so many likes on that picture. Oh my God. Oh my God, I'm so mm. jealous. You got, look at the likes she got for that Beyonce picture. And I'm just like, well, yeah, she's Beyonce. So she's going to get a lot of likes because she's Beyonce. <laughs> but as long as a picture of my, of my avocado and toast in the morning. So yeah, it was going to get a lot of attention. But at the end of the day, it's obsolete because if, if Kevin was to delete Instagram tomorrow, what have I got left? And I know what I've got left. I've got left eight years of working at, at, a, at a broadcast that I'm, and work that I'm really proud of. I've got Glastonbury, I've got Top of the Pops, I've got the Brits, I've got my work with, um, you know, with with Claudia and Dermot, the One World Together Home Show. I've I've got, I I know that my receipts are valid because I've worked I've worked for them, and no one can take that away from me. And I will continue to work, and I'll continue to build up that portfolio of work because I'm passionate about it, you know. Because yeah, those likes can be deleted like that, but. I, I know that I'm that I'm still gonna be here. So I'd say to anyone, you know, um trying to get into industry, like don't get me wrong, social media is a currency and you can absolutely use it to your advantage. Of absolutely, but just don't mm. don't replace it with your sense of self, other people's projections onto you with with their with their love hearts of you know of acceptance or however you want to call it. <laughs> I totally hear that. And thank you so much. They are, they are practical, you know, tips for just in general, how to live a a happy life. (laughs) It almost seems because, you know, you, like you said, you're enjoying what you do. You, you have gratitude and you love the work you do. So, you know, don't let any of the waffle, the noise distract you. No, man, don't pay attention to the noise. That's the thing. I just think people wrongly conflate, um, hype with it with a skill set and it's just mm. and it's um and and i would just say again to anybody starting on the just don't conf- like just see everything for what it is like really pay pay attention look at look at the small print and like just and do the work for the work don't do it for the hype definitely oh gosh i love it and i'm so grateful that you gave us your time to be able to speak with me on the mainstream so clara Ampho, thank you again where can everyone follow you keep up to date with you and um you know keep being inspired um well thank you very much for having me ramel big up to you always consistent with it i see your hustle <laughs> i see you right thank here you. so big up big up big up big up um so yeah i'm just at clara Ampho on twitter 
I'm on Instagram. That's that's where I, that's where I usually operate. Uh, check out my podcast, This City, available on all good platforms now. We're working on series two, and check me out on Radio Jeez. One, um, Monday to Thursday. I mean, in this lockdown time, uh, my slot is eleven till three. It's probably changing back in a month or two, but as we know, coronavirus. It's uh, yeah. It's um. It's it's yeah. I mean, look, it's 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 put us all in a bit of a different spin, but yeah. Find find me. You'll 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 hear me when you hear me. <laughs> yes, girl. Secure every bag, every coin, and live your best life. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Big love, babe. Big love. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.